You are listening to To Loose Ends, a bi-weekly podcast from Michigan State Student Radio that seeks to define America through an international perspective. We feature underrepresented voices to answer the question, what does it mean to be American? From WDBM East Lansing, this is Loose Ends. You're listening to our first official episode of season one. I'm your host, Nina Rao, and I am so excited. After two long years, this project finally happened, and I cannot be more happy about it. You'll be listening to my journey as an immigrant from Indonesia, exploring the different kinds of practices, cultures, and people that make up the United States. After the 2016 elections, I was more inspired to really find out what the U.S. consists of. As far as I know, America is the only country in this world that have pockets of different cultures in each state. If you want to learn more about these pockets, you can check out my pilot episode previous to this one. You can find it on our website, impact89fm.org, or on iTunes. But we'll get to the promos later. This past week has been heavy, at least for me. First, the article on Aziz Ansari that was released earlier this week. If you don't know what I'm talking about, a Brooklyn-based photographer shared her story with Babe.net about her quote-unquote disappointing sexual encounter with the master of Nonstar. And then, the Larry Nassar hearings commenced this week. It hit right home for me because I live here at MSU. This school has become such a big part of my life It felt really overwhelming for me to listen to all the accounts these women gave during the hearings. That's when I realized that women were given a huge amount of attention this week. Their voices, experiences, and their perspectives. This event reminded me of a conversation I had with two of my good friends, Audrey Matus and Janice Mendoza. This conversation happened last fall, beginning of December 2017. We decided to hang out on a Saturday night right here in the studio that I'm recording in. It was sort of a girls' night empowering bonding session. We recorded our experiences as women in America and what we've struggled and overcame our whole lives. This was topical, especially with the issue of sexual assault and harassment that's been going on. What Janice, Audrey, and I talked about sounded very familiar to the stories that strong women have shared recently. So. Today's episode is about women and their experiences, and this is a throwback that I think you'd enjoy. It was right after Thanksgiving. Audrey was recollecting her family tradition that occurs every Thanksgiving, and it involves... All the power struggle between all of the, the white dudes and the family. FYI... Audrey is biracial. Her mother is black and her father is white. Like fighting over the remote, fighting over the couch, fighting over if this is an appetizer or not and needs to go out the first round. Like it's all of them. They all do it. One of them doesn't anymore because he's like really sick. So he's just like just kind of hangs out and sits there. But um, it's always a very hostile environment. My family, very hostile. Is football involved? Always. And it's not like it's involved. Like, it, well, yeah, like it's involved. Like, it's literally part of the day. They scream at the TV. Like, all of them. They're like, what the f***? 
lions and like <laughs> I like that it's always the lions that play on Thanksgiving because it's just like part of this whole like bit larger narrative of Thanksgiving yeah. and like being thankful it's like the dedication that these men have towards their country and like the lions like the lions for the past couple of years have been kind of labeled as like the losers and every year my dad says the same thing he's like I hate NFL football I don't even watch the, watching this stuff anymore because like there's a lot of gambling and bidding that's tied to these football games. It's just like very much patriarchal space. And the woman are in the kitchen like cooking. I was I did some tarot card reading for my grandma and my mom. Like that was fun. Nice. That was fun. It's really just an excuse to st- well, it's like a reminder to stop being a piece of shit Yeah. and go see your mom. Well, speaking of tradition, the topic of religion came up. By then, Janice arrived and joined our conversation. Janice expressed that she grew up Catholic, but um, it's it's kind of ironic, though, because my mom would take me and my brother to church every Sunday with her boyfriend at the time who they were they were living together and they weren't married. And then my mom had me and my brother um, out of wedlock, as you would say. So it was just interesting because during Catholic mass, they call it attendees would go up and, quote unquote, take the blood of Christ and the body of Christ said Janice. This would come in the form of wine, bread, or a wafer. There, there would be like intermissions where um, they take time out of the Mass to do that. And then during those times, my mom would not go up there, kind of. So it was, I guess it was confusing to me because I would always ask her, like, why don't you go up there? And um, Interesting. So like she was just practicing it in her own way. So, like, Catholicism, as it was taught to you, was like, yeah, it's this big structure, but, like, you have your own um, path. You know what? Not really, though. <laughs> because at the same time, like, we were still supposed to follow the Bible. But I guess, I don't know, maybe I, I never asked my mom why she would trying to pass this religion down to us, like, very heavily um, within our roots. But she wasn't really practicing it herself, so. Oh, that's interesting. So were you religious growing up? I I was very religious. I would say until about, until high school. What did that look like, like being religious as a kid? Like, what does that look like? So I would pray, like, with my grandma at night before bed or pray by myself even. Or we would go to, like, Sunday church. No, well, that... That too. But we would go to, I guess, Bible study, like on the weekends and stuff like that. What would yeah. you What would you ask um, God for? I, I would just ask him for basic things like, you know, keep my mom healthy. I would pray a lot about my mom. Because she'd see her mom struggling a lot. Like with her relationships yeah. or with the man that was in her life or just financially and stuff like that. So... I always kept her in my prayers and for myself and other family members, things like that. Yeah. So what happened? Huh? I I feel like I feel like it happened. I started to lose faith after I lost my virginity. Yeah. Just as a devil (laughs) plan. Got her. (laughs) You and I have different yeah understandings of the devil, so I don't mean to say that in offensive way. Oh, I mean I don't care. How did losing your virginity, how did you associate that with losing faith? Before then, I would, I had this like, this view of, you know, I guess it was 
taught to me, you know, marriage and love and all these things. And it was like the person who I lost my virginity to wasn't really like loving or it was more of like they were older than me and there was like a sense of manipulation. Like, I don't know. I just felt lost, I guess, after that moment. And, you know, as any, maybe not every religious person, but it there was kind of a sense of, you know, like, why did this happen to me? Or, or just with other things in my life as well. Um, I think the defining moment where I really, like, would resonate with an atheist was in college, though. Because from a historical uh, standpoint, I just learned about, well, I'm Mexican. So I learned about how basically the Spaniards came to Mexico and like imposed their religion on all these people. So I was basically like, do I even, do I need religion? Is it actually a good thing? Or, you know, is it more about the people who practice it? Things like that. Those are, I wouldn't say I'm completely opposed to religion at this point in time, but it's just more of, um, a process that I'm trying to figure out for myself at this point. So, that is so interesting. Thank you for sharing. It was interesting to me because I experienced a similar situation. Once I figured out that religion and practices was actually because our country was colonized and European nations forced their religion and practices to us, that made me go through sort of like a shock phase, questioning what is real? Is what I believe actually what I believe? Or was I just socialized into it? In my own religious exploration, like I like I agree with you. Like I grew up religious. I would say very religious just because like I my parents did not force me to go to my um after school Bible school classes. <laughs> I wanted to go. And I would like make my brother go. I'm like parts of me parts of me wanted to go was because like I know I would eat donuts midway through, but I can go get a donut for a dollar by my house. Like I don't like it was free and I wasn't like starving. Like I, I just genuinely liked the community that I could I had access to, even though I was an outsider the whole time. I only made one friend like going to church things. Like, I don't know. Like I just had this, I think a lot of had to do is that I had people really close to me die when I was young and I just believed I'm like, Oh, well they're in heaven. So, and my grandma who passed when I was like in sixth grade, um, was very religious. So I was like, that was like a connection for me. But like, I would always, I would love to pray. Like, I prayed, and I, I didn't pray for, like, toys, because I understood. I was very into the religion. I understood, like, you weren't supposed to be selfish about it. I knew I had a good life, so I would try to share, like, my luck. I always thought of it as my luck, my fortune, giving it to someone else somewhere. Whether it's in her family or a friend who's going through a hard time. I was cute. Like, I thought I was praying. <laughs> and, like, I have, there's been times where I, I still pray. I just don't pray to God. I I will pray to God because I realize that God is like this universal term. Like mm-hmm. as I learn more about Arisha and like more comedic religions mm-hmm. and practices that are from derived from Africa, I um like God's real. I I believe God is real, but I don't. I just think my God's a little different, maybe from the people that made God is not dead, like that film. Um, Jesus is kind of just like a character I think that was just used to because people love stories. Audrey points out on how else are European nations going to colonize people if it weren't for stories? Oh, there's a God that we believe in. You have to have a story. How else are you going to, you know, believe? And I'm not saying that that Catholicism was built for colonizing. But like, I think that sometimes like the overlapping between, at least this is because we're born in like the 21st century, but like the overlapping of 
Catholicism and capitalism. Mm. The messages are so similar and like what America's built on, like, you know, it's just sometimes too similar. There's it's just another form of mind control. Because my dad's like also like very big believer in spiritual things. But like kind of given from the Catholic Church, I think one of those biggest things is like always asking for forgiveness. It's like, no, you know what you did wrong, go make it better. Or like fix yourself instead of like, oh God, give me strength. So, or like forgive me for this or like I know that my son my sins will be absolved it's just certain things just didn't seem always very practical or like people would use it for almost for excuses that's what I say for the most part the religion that ruined for me was just the people I associate I had to be associated with like I said the reason I stopped going to those church things well honestly I went all the way through high school I think I'm, I may have stopped my senior year of high school I can't remember but I just stopped going because like I kept getting racist teachers or like like okay I, I went to uh, this uh, middle school camp. I'm rambling, but this is actually a good story. This is fun. It's like a middle school camp for your eighth grade confirmation. Did you do eighth grade confirmation? No, I did not. It's but I know. What you it know is. what it is? Yeah. Part of it uh, is like before you're confirmed, you go on like a three day getaway camp. It's Jesus camp. If you've ever seen that documentary, oh, I, yep, yeah, yeah, it's that. it's that. It is literally that. Jesus camp is a documentary film that's basically about a quote unquote charismatic Christian summer camp where children spend their summers being taught that they have prophetic gifts and can take back America for Christ. Sounds familiar. This is all explained in Google. And if you're curious, you should watch it. And I um could not handle the forever <laughs> like the so really you were forever. you were like doing that the yeah we were singing the songs like I'm telling we sang these eight songs a day they were dance moves and sometimes I still do the dance moves like yes Lord yeah like yeah. I will do that to myself bro because it was conditioned like it was three days of just straight up singing and like a lot of um being pushed to like emotional points like there was one day where I ran away from my group and I hid in the bathrooms and I hid in the chapel and I it was like a dark chapel and it was like me and Jesus like looking at each other and I was like why am I here <laughs> I was I lost it I remember I was hiding in the bathroom and I was like trying to figure out how I was gonna escape and then I went to my room <laughs> what really happened I think was actually lack of sleep uh. my roommate was a snorer and I uh had a really hard time sleeping in somewhere I wasn't used to so I really didn't sleep often so I went I went back to my room and took a three-hour nap and I I gathered my senses again but there was definitely one day but anyways and those that three days will be like me and one to further my practice as a as a cat christian but like there's a big dance at the end of it and like i literally kid you not people were hooking up at the priest barn i'm talking like giving hands was like hooking up you know i didn't know what that was actually i learned what a hand was at church camp god bless it and like there was so much drama going on too with the girls about like certain guys and like the dudes with girls. It was just like, it's no different. I was just like, why are we all pretending that we're like part of this higher practice that we're being good people? And like, mm-hmm. thank you guys for spending your weekend doing this. You guys are so like, you know, there's always a superiority with Catholicism as, it, as there always has been. Not always, but you know, the dawn of real civilization. <laughs> and I just saw that people for what they were kind of at that camp. And I was like, this is why I was here, to see this. Because those those same kids that, like, were doing that kind of shit were, they were just using the church for community service or whatever thing. And, like, I believe that religion got them through hard times. I don't know their life story. Like, I'm positive they were tough times. I and mean, that's what led to making those bad decisions even. So, like, it's there. It's a tool. It, it helps people. But I just rather just it go away forever. <laughs> <laughs> and so you don't think women should be Catholics? 
Oh, I just see like it's, I don't, it definitely, I don't see the appeal being female and Catholic, but how do you feel about that? Have you, do you feel yeah. like it's actually been empowering? I think the saints are cool. That's what, I, one thing I do like about religions are like, um, religions that are like polytheistic. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. And saints are across like all, all religions have like that kind of thing. And like, so finding female power through like female saints is cool because they often went through like abuse or they were like someone threw acid on their face when they're like, you know, like real experiences and so more of a story behind it. But uh, since they kind of take the back seat, I don't really get it. Have you also faced sexism within or spaces of organized religion? I say yes. How? I Oh, I feel bad. I think it kind of goes, it just goes hand in hand. Like, it is what it is. Um, Institution. Yeah, because, okay, so right now, I'm I'm going to be going to Mexico to visit my family in December over Christmas break. And, like, a lot of the ceremonies are at churches. And my mom's like, oh, like, Janice, what are you going to wear? Like, you know, it has to be this long and, you know, this covered up and... Mm-hmm all that kind of thing and for me i'm not i'm not a conservative um i don't care how other women dress like if they want to be conservative like if they want to show their body like i think that's their choice but having like some sort of institution um tell you that the way you're dressing is wrong i don't uh think is ever a good thing um does that answer the question? Yeah, I just like that's why I think like guilt. I think that's why I have such a distaste in my mouth with the Catholic Church because there was so much guilt I had to like undo about my choices. Because I'm like, why do I feel like that's a bad thing? Oh yeah, I read about it in a book and that person that was like went to hell because they did <laughs> like so like yeah like feeling shame for wearing a dress that you thought was really cute that you really liked and you felt good in and now like not able to wear that again because someone made a comment for you at church like that's really inappropriate. Yeah, it's just little stuff like that. Or I I have another experience. Mm-hmm. Um, when when I was a child and we would go to church, sometimes my mom's boyfriend at the time would get kicked out of church because he would wear like shorts and they would have like sequins or different um stuff at like I guess embroidery. I, I guess embroidery, you know, like things that are like stereotypically like gangster. Like sagging pants and chains hanging, you know? So they These would sequins. I'm like, okay. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They would kick them out. So it's like. Wow. So it's like you don't even want someone. Maybe what if someone is from that background and they want to, you know, hear the word of the Lord mm-hmm. or, you know. Um, do better for themselves, but you use that time to like kick someone out of church because they don't fit like your standard mold. Right. So, uh. I remember I had a priest who recently just got. Um, you can look it up anywhere. His name is Father John Worley. He's the founding pastor of Saint Martha Parish in Okemos, Michigan. Prosecutors believe he embezzled around five million dollars of funds from the parish. He was he embezzled money, right? Yeah, for like years, like millions of dollars. <laughs> but like there was one day he spent like I swear like fifty like the entire like, I think it's called like the homily or it's the eulogy. I forget the, the eulogy. Term. The eulogy. Yeah. It can also be known as a homily. Where like you kinda like give us personal story of like why this all matters today. And he went on like a fucking rant about flip flops. 
I remember my dad, I think my dad was there that day and he was like really done after that. He was like, what, what is the point? Like, why are you so, like, you know, like, why are you so hateful? Like, you're just preaching hate. And he was like, it's so disrespectful to have your... Yeah, and then, like, he, like, he went on this rant another time, too. And when I was younger, I was, like, in elementary school. I remember this. It was so funny. He was talking... My mom and I were actually laughing because he was going off about, like, idiots who drive with their cell phones. Idiots! Like, he was going on a rant. I just have a very uh, pessimistic view of the Catholic Church based off all personal experience and some outside personal experience of how certain people that were Catholic handled certain issues that of people that I'm, you know, connected to. And they would use, like, religion as kind of, like, a reason. Audrey's story brought me back to the summer of 2017. I went back home to Indonesia for a month and a half. It was the second day that I was home when my mother didn't want to talk to me. It started when we were getting ready to take my picture for my driver's license renewal. I wore a denim button-down shirt with gray leggings. When I was done, I went downstairs and my parents were sitting in the living room. My mom looked at me and gave a face of disgust. It was like I committed a horrible sin. I asked her what's wrong, what happened? And she shook her head disapprovingly. What are you wearing, she said. What are you trying to show? And I stared at her, so confused. She continued, imagine the number of men that's gonna stare at you. Your outfit is shameful. I was hurt. I didn't see anything wrong with what I wore. My dad chimed in and said, you know, Indonesia is a more conservative place, so you should dress according to it. I went back to my room and changed to something that's considered conservative, which was a form-fitting skirt. I wanted to ask them, why should I change? Why should I change myself and limit ways to express myself when in reality, shouldn't they be able to control themselves? Are they humans or are they animals? But I didn't. That's when it dawned on me that America has actually grown on me. I love the fact that people here, around my community, are supportive and very understanding about women and issues about women. Back home, I had no chance or even a voice to express that. It's weird having this sort of reverse culture shock or exchange, whatever you want to call it. But now I know that comparison does not work. Everybody and everything is literally different. There's going to be some good parts and some bad parts about some stuff. In the end, I think we just gotta appreciate what's right in front of us because it could really be worse. Like your family shaming you for wearing a tank top and a jeans. For Impact Student Radio, you're listening to Loose Ends. Special thanks to our general manager, Ed Glazer, our station manager, Abby Rink, our program director, Ella Kovacs, our news team, Cole Tunningley's Sammy Luke, and Max Johnston, and lastly to Camille Rogers for helping Loose Ends give birth to its Twitter account. Last but not the least, you for listening. Thank you, thank you so much. Don't forget to tune in to The Undercurrent next week, same time, to listen to more stories about what's happening around the MSU community. I've been your host, Nina Rao. Swag out, y'all. Swag out, y'all.